Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to preach today a message I've entitled, The Cross is Worth Bragging About. You don't know what to do. Let me help you again. I said, The Cross is Worth Bragging About. There you are. It's worth bragging about, and that's what Paul talks about in this wonderful verse. Galatians chapter 6, he's at the end of his letter. And I want to begin at verse 11, go to verse 15. He said, by the way, there are things in the Bible we read we don't understand. A lot of scholars think that Paul had eye problems, sight problems. When he was stoned at Lystra, they think that he may have suffered eye damage. And so he writes, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. In other words, he was telling him, I didn't have somebody transcribe this. I didn't give them, because a lot of times it's called an amanuensis. You have somebody else write down for you. But Paul said, I love you so much, and I want to I give this letter to you from my heart that I'm not even transcribing this to somebody. I've written this letter, but look, it pained me. I suffered to do this. See with what large letters. I've written. So this, this is important to Paul that he would write himself. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast, brag, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Can you say praise the Lord to a powerful word? You can be seated today. You ever met somebody like to brag on themselves? Do you know anybody like that? I do. I know some people that love to brag on themselves. As a matter of fact, there is one particular occasion where it really sticks out to me. I had a short stint as a semi-professional fisherman. Why are you laughing at me? Thank you. You just go Google Chris the Star, and you'll, you keep looking. You'll find it eventually. <laughs> Tony, what was that, the BFL? I have to ask Tony because he was in it because he's a semi-professional fisherman. I, I had a stint in the BFL, all of two tournaments. Didn't win anything, but I'm semi-professional. And in my very first tournament that I fished in, you have an angler and a co-angler. The angler is the guy that drives his boat. The co-angler, they pair you with an angler so you get fish out of the back of the boat. Now, you're not competing against him. He's competing against all the other anglers, and you're competing against all the co-anglers. And so I fished with this guy, and he's, I'm not going to say his name. It's in my notes, but don't anybody ask to look at my notes. I'm going to keep him anonymous. But he's kind of well-known in the fishing world, and he's created very popular lures, manufactured them. As a matter of fact, I have them. I own some. Tony, don't you tell anybody. Tony knows, but Tony was there the other day. Tony, don't you tell anybody. 
Tony's over there laughing because he knows who it is. And I got in the boat with that man, and I had to fish with him all day. And all he did all day is talk about himself. What he had did and what he accomplished and what he had made and his whole life. I fished with that man from before the break of day till 3 o'clock. And I had to listen to that man brag about himself all day. Not one time did he ask me what I did, if I was married, if I had kids. Not one time. That's a man who's in love with himself. You find people who love to brag about themselves. They're going to tell you what they know, who they know, how wealthy they are, their achievements in life. They want you to know the positions they have held or they presently hold, the influence they have, the degrees they have earned. They just love to talk about themselves. Well, let's go to the Bible. In Paul's day, which would have been the first century, the Jewish people loved to brag about how they kept the law of Moses, the Old Testament, the ceremonial laws, all that stuff that we don't have to do anymore. They gloried in their religious dedication. This is seen in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector told by Jesus. Two men went into the temple. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. Pharisees were those very strict religious people who gloried. And he prayed, and his prayer was a bragging time. God, I tie this, I give this, that. Lord, I, I, I do this. God, I'm not like that tax collector over there who doesn't do any of those things that I do. That's a good illustration of what these people were like. And I've learned that religious people still do this in the 20th, 21st century, especially people who are legalistic. Now, we are part of the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, and some of you... Don't know much about that because you've come from a different background. You've probably figured out I don't say a whole lot about our denomination because denominations oftentimes will keep people from coming to my church, and I'd rather you come and check us out instead of what experience you had at some other church of God, which might be negative. But we're part of the church of God. It's a holiness Pentecostal movement. And for much of the 20th century, we were legalistic. We have our doctrinal teachings, which are awesome. But we have practical teachings, and we got tied up with the practical teachings. A lot of us did. And so the practical teachings were, you know, especially the women. You women must have a whole lot harder time living for the Lord than we men do. Because you couldn't wear makeup, no jewelry, and you had to wear long dresses and long sleeves, and you couldn't cut your hair. Just all these things for poor women. And then they got the men folk in. There were some things, like you couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go to a baseball game, couldn't go to sporting events because that was worldly. And the question was, when we know what we can't do, can we do anything? And so we we got into this legalism. So I'm really familiar with that. I, I understand that. By the way, it's not healthy. It's not good. It's usually toxic. It's because they're man-made rules. All right, now if the Bible says it, you better do it. But some of this, a lot of this was man-made rules. We drove a lot of people from our church because we were so busy judging them on the outside, we didn't give Jesus time to change them on the inside. Don't send that one to the gentle overseer. Though he would probably amen me. This book is called the book of, of Galatians, Galatia, 
was actually a region in modern-day Turkey. So Paul is writing to churches that are in the region of Galatia, and here's the story. Now, I'm going to get into the text. Stay with me. Certain Jews were saved. They got saved, but they couldn't let go of the past. They couldn't let go of the legalism that they once were in. They couldn't let it go. How many of you know some things you need to let go? They couldn't let it go, and they brought it with them. And so they wanted to continue keeping the law of Moses, which I stated is no longer necessary as a Christian, but they did it to avoid being persecuted by the other Jews who didn't get saved in that area, who were still keeping the law, and would give them a hard time. They said, wait a minute, you got what? I got saved. Yeah, but you're still keeping the law, right? Well, um, no, Paul said we don't have to. Oh, you got to keep the law. So they felt this pressure. So they did it. And then when they were around the Jewish people, they would brag about keeping those rules and those regulations because they wanted to look good in front of those Jewish people. But they never bragged about Jesus. They never bragged about the cross. They never bragged about how God had saved them through his son, Jesus Christ. And do you know some church people do this today? That's right. They get saved. They go to work. They go see their friends. They tell them, I'm saved. Went to high praises church, prayed the sinner's prayer. God saved me. Man, I'm changed. I says, great, we're going to party on Friday night. You going to be there? Uh, come on, man, you got to go partying with us. Well, I know other Christians that go partying. You need to go partying with us. Come on, man, you got to go partying with us. Uh, and so they go partying. Now, when they come to church on Sunday, they're going to brag on Jesus. When they get around me, they're going to brag on Jesus. When they get around you, Oh, you're going to get quiet. I knew it was going to get quiet when I preached this. They're going to brag about you, but when they get with their friends, they're bragging about how they could hold their beer on a Friday night. Bragging about, why? So they won't get persecuted, so they won't get talked about it. Because if you take a stand for Jesus and you tell him, I'm not doing those things, I'm not saying those things, I'm not going to those places, I'm not acting that way because those places aren't about Jesus and those things pull me away from Jesus. I want to get closer to Jesus. Y'all need what I got. Because y'all messed up like I was. Paul was very religious, very successful before Jesus saved him. He had a lot to boast about. I've preached about Paul, studied about Paul. The man was multilingual, highly educated, had a tremendous pedigree. He had traveled the world in his particular organization, which was the United Pharisees of Israel. I just made that up. Religious first church of the Pharisees. Um, he was the poster child for them. He was the up-and-coming generation that was connected. He was successful. And people think Paul was also wealthy. But once Jesus changed his life, he only boasted about one thing. He didn't boast about what kind of camel he drove, that it was a high-end Maserati camel. Okay? He didn't boast about his heart shafter and Mark robe. He didn't, he didn't brag about those things. He didn't brag about how he was with the right reverend doctor, so-and-so. So none of that. All that stuff, he got it. It was there. didn't matter anymore. All he wanted to do was talk about Jesus. 
He wanted to brag about what Jesus did. He wanted to brag but specifically about the cross. I just want to talk about the cross. Now, in that time, you mentioned the cross. It did not, still does today, but did not have a positive connotation. As a matter of fact, the cross was an instrument of execution. So to boast of it then would be like you bragging and boasting about the electric chair, the gas chamber used in capital punishment today. Y'all, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate. Oh, hallelujah. I appreciate the electric chair. Glory be to God. If it would, do y'all see this? I got a little gold electric chain right here on my necklace. Do you see that? Oh, if it wasn't for the electric chair, I'd be in hell right now. Now, we're laughing, but do you get it? Do you get it? See, we're laughing because it's funny when I do But that's what Paul's doing. He's bragging. If it wasn't for the cross. What are you talking about the cross? They kill people on the cross. I know, but, but the cross made that. What are you talking about the cross? Nobody wants to get on a cross. What are you talking about? Well, the cross, you couldn't talk about the cross unless you talked about Jesus. A lot of people died on the cross, but we got to talk about one particular man that died on the cross. Have you ever noticed we brag about those things that mean the most to us? Oh, yeah. You parents, you brag on your kids all the time. Brag about how smart they are. I love that little bumper sticker that, you know, says my child is a straight-A student at such such school. I saw another bumper sticker that said my kid can beat up your straight-A child <laughs> at your school. I don't recommend that. That's not right. So don't do that. Don't put that on your car. We brag about it. Oh, I brag about my grandchildren all the time. And I brag on my sons. I do. I brag about them. I brag about them. I was, bra- I was out in Texas last week. Y'all wonder where I was. I went to go preach for a, a friend of mine. I mentored him, trained him. God called him in the ministry. And I went to spend about five days with him to do church consulting and leadership training. I had 38 people showed up Saturday morning so I could teach them leadership for three and a half hours. I left that church fired up. They're, they're just they're ready to go to the next level. Isn't that cool? And I did that representing you. So high praises. We got a handshake in helping a church in Sulphur Springs, Sulphur Springs, Texas, go to the next level. Isn't that cool? So anyway, enough about that. We brag about the things that mean the most to us. Paul bragged about the cross because it meant more to him than anything. Because it was because of Jesus' death on the cross that Paul was able to leave his life of sin and become a born-again child of the living God. I put in my notes three things. Paul knew the person of the cross. That's Jesus, who is more than a mere man, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Paul knew the purpose of the cross. It's our means for redemption. The death of the Lamb of God, Jesus, occurred on the cross. His blood poured out while he was on the cross. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So God's Son poured out his blood, and there's still power in the blood (laughs) to forgive everybody of their sins. His death, his blood were vital for the provision of our salvation. So he knew the person of the cross, and he knew the purpose of the cross, but Paul knew the power of the cross. And to the Corinthians, in his first letter, verse, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. I want to say it again. There's power in the cross. 
When the drug addict looks at the cross, he is set free from his addiction. When the adulterer looks at the cross, she's set free from her bondage of sin. When the good, moral, upstanding citizen who still needs to get right with God looks at the cross, God puts his righteousness to his account rather than his own righteousness. There's power in the cross. Paul testified before the cross, I was the chief of sinners. Before the cross, I was the baddest of the bad. Because of the cross, I am a saint. Because of the cross, I am an apostle. Because of the cross, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you about the power of of the cross? At the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. At the cross, sins were atoned for. At the cross, peace was made possible between God and men. At the cross, Satan was stripped of his power and defeated. Hallelujah. At the cross, a new and a living way to God was opened up. At the cross, the curse of sin was broken. At the cross, mercy and truth met together. Righteousness and peace kissed each other. Oh, at the cross, he was wounded for my transgressions. At the cross, he was bruised for my iniquities. At the cross, the punishment that should have been put on me was put on him. Because of the cross, by his stripes, and he was put on the cross, I can be healed. That punishment, those sins that I had were laid on Jesus. The ransom was paid for my sins on the cross. See, there's power in the cross. By the way, Paul said the cross is the cure for worldliness. I was thinking about this as I was going back over my notes last night. There are three enemies of your soul. You know this, right? If you don't, you need to know this. There's the devil, your flesh, and this old world. By the way, sometimes the devil just laughs and says, I don't have to do anything with Sestara. His flesh is doing a good job for me. Usually my flesh gets me in trouble. How about y'all? And I guess when I try to live right, then the devil shows up and says, well, I guess I got to work today. But the flesh, your flesh, the devil, and your world are the three enemies of your soul. You got that? Okay. When you let the devil have, have his way, there's, you're going to practice sin. Now, he'll just flat out get you to sin. When you let your flesh have its way, carnality will be in your life. And when you let the world have its way and you start adopting the philosophies and the values and the belief system of the world as your own and then it affects your own actions, then worldliness will set in. So you can be sinful or you can be carnal or you can be worldly. Paul, I think it's interesting in this particular text, didn't do, deal with the other two. He does in other places like the book of Ephesians. But here he does, he deals with worldliness. And he says in verse 14, by the cross... This now, by the cross, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So just so that we're clear, what is worldliness? It's loving the world. It's loving the things of the world. It's living for the world's approval. It's living to fit in with the world and with worldly people to the point that you're compromising what the Bible says and doing what people say rather than what the Bible says. It's adopting the world's value systems. Let me make a very clear statement today from this platform. You cannot be a genuine Christian and successfully live worldly. Did you hear me? Can't do it. 
To try to do it is to fail. And yet, there are people that are tempted and lured by the world, and they try it all the time. Trying to be an authentic Christian and yet still live in the world is like trying to be totally in the water and totally out of the water at the same time. It can't be done. Because either you're in Christ. See, that's what I preached in Texas last week. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. You're either in Christ or you're in sin. In the world. Jesus said we are in this world, but we are not, finish it. We're not of this world. We, how many of you know we march to a different drum beat? Okay? Well, I can't leave. I feel the Holy Ghost prompting me. Stop letting the internet dictate what you believe. Stop letting educators dictate what you believe. Stop letting politicians dictate what you believe. Stop letting media, social media, regular mainstream media, any of it. Stop letting your favorite country singer or pop singer dictate what you believe. Okay? They're entertainers. They just do what they do to make you feel good for the moment. But once they start wanting to tell you what they believe and how you ought to believe, at that point, you shut them off. See, I already got that. Now, once you stop singing to me, I'm turning you off because if I need that, I got something. It's called the Bible. I already got it. As a matter of fact, I got somebody. His name's Chris the Star. If I need to know what I need to believe, I don't need you. I got. He can sing a little decent. He can't sing like you, but I don't even want to hear Got myself in hot water. You know why the. My God, help me, Holy Spirit. Woo, when the Holy Ghost hits you like that, you got to go. You know why the church is so weak and anemic and we've lost our influence in America? Because we're worldly. We want to be like the world, we want to act like the world. I love, how many of y'all love the book of Daniel? Y'all like, the book of, y'all like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Everybody loves the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? I heard Tony Evans preach on him one time. He's black man. He's, best, one of the best, he's still alive. One of the best preachers in the world. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. <laughs> now, you have to be black to get away with that. I love Tony Evans. Boy, that man's so brilliant. He's just, y'all need to listen. If you want to listen, I'll give you permission to listen to Tony Evans. Because you can't get to his church. His church is in Dallas, so I don't have to worry about it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken to Babylon. They wore Babylonian clothes, ate Babylonian food, drove Babylonian camels, went to Babylonian school, learned the Babylonian language. Wore Babylonian shoes with Babylonian belts, Babylonian socks, Babylonian hats. Pulled for the local Babylonian college football team. Y'all getting it? But when they said, we got these Babylonian gods and we've got a value system based on our sinful Babylonian religion. We want you to take that. They said, oh, no. No. 
we putting a stop right there. Right there. No, no, you got to take it all. Oh, no, we don't. And they were so set, so committed, that they got thrown into a fiery furnace. Because while everybody else bowed, Shadrach looked at Meshach and said, look at all these idiots. Then the ghost said, they think that big old statue's a god? Ain't nothing but a big old totem pole. Don't they know there's only one God? Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, the Lord who is my peace. The Lord who is my righteousness. The Lord who is my healer. The Lord who is my shepherd I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil for that God is always with me. People scared to take a stand at work when thousands of politicians. That's right. It was all the political people. Just dumbly bowing. Oh, great statue. Hallelujah, great statue. Glory be to statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and said, what are you doing? Get up. That's the kind of faith we're supposed to have. Don't you bow. Don't you bend. Don't you say, well, maybe. Don't say maybe. You go down maybe. You're getting in trouble. Say No. No, that's not what, no, I know what y'all say, but that, the, the Bible says, I know y'all don't care what the Bible says, but I do. The Bible says, I know y'all don't think the Bible's true, but it is true. The Bible says, no, it ain't just another book. It's the Word of God. I'm preaching right now. It's the Word of God. It says, and that's what I said. You'll get persecuted, you'll get made fun of, you'll get laughed at, all that. But you have to stand and say, this is what, this is what I believe. Because the God who wrote it sent his son to this earth to die on a cross and saved me from my wretched life. You think I want to listen to you? You didn't do that for me. He did that for me. I think I'll keep my ear in his direction and listen to what he says. Why would you want God to save you then listen to what the world tells you? What happened to common sense? Hmm. No, this is my notes, but I just feel the Holy Ghost telling me to preach this this morning. The churches and the people that will impact our communities, our schools, our neighborhoods, our state, and our nation are going to be the churches and the peoples, that, the people that stand upon the word of God and know what they believe and stand on it regardless of what anybody says. And they can hit you with everything in the world. But when they're done, they will back off and say, I've never met anybody like them. They're the real deal. I've never met anybody that wouldn't crumble. I've never met anybody that was sold out. I've never, something must have happened in their life. cure for worldliness is the cross. When you're saved, a mutual execution occurs. The world nails you to the cross. You're no longer one of them. 
you behave and believe different, you become dead to them. Y'all remember when you got saved and that happened? But you nail the world to the cross. You don't talk like them. You don't act like them. You don't believe like them. You don't think like them. Why? Because you're different. Listen to me, and the world ought to be dead to you. So when you're tempted by the world and the things of this world, go back to the cross. See Jesus bleeding and dying for you. See the price that he paid for your salvation. And tell yourself, I won't give in. I won't compromise. I will stand firm in my faith. I will continue to live right regardless of what everybody. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Come on, musician. I'd have preached shorter, but I had to go down that rabbit trail the Lord told me to go down. I asked the pastor in Texas, I said, when do you get out? He said, noon. I gave it to him four minutes early. My pastor friend, his name is Jason, is originally from Greer, South Carolina, married a girl from Texas, and is doing an outstanding job at a church in Sulphur Springs, Texas. Already told you what I went out there to do with him, but we spent a lot of time talking about his church. I was just pouring into him constantly. Just It was almost night and day, meeting with his leadership, having lunches, having dinners, talking about different departments of the church, just a total over. I, I really enjoyed it. Worked me to death, but I enjoyed it. But at one point, he had me out in front of his church. Here's a picture of it. Is that, is that picture there? Is there a photograph there? Oh, tell me the photograph is there. Is there a picture of a church? Oh, no. Oh, somebody's in trouble this week. Okay. So there's, there's a picture of a church that I had, and it's the front of their building. It's an A-frame building. Hey! It got lost in the internet world. And so there's a picture of their front of their church, brick building, and they've got the steeple, and then they put a cross there in the middle of it. They're right on a frontage road, right on the interstate. Everybody goes by the interstate, goes right by their church. And they've got to change their sign. Their sign is too small. He knows this, and there's some things they're going to do. But he said, Pastor Chris, he said, Chris, he said, what I want to do he said, I want to put Trinity Springs on those two walls. Trinity Springs, big letters, light them up where people go by in the interstate. I thought that's a great idea. Big letters, Trinity, I mean Trinity Harvest, rather. Trinity Harvest, Trinity Harvest. I live in Sulphur Springs. Trinity Harvest. I said, I love it. It's a great idea. Now, he's telling me this, doesn't realize it. And he said, I already talked to a contractor about this, creative contractor. We were talking about this. And I asked him, I said, I want to do this. And he said, the guy hesitated for a moment. And Jason told me this. He didn't realize it at the moment. He said, and he said, when he hesitated, I said, look, if you have to, take down the cross. If you have to. No, look, Jason's not against crosses. He's got crosses all in his church. He was thinking narrowly. So I don't want to make my preacher friend bad. He's good. But he was just in a construction mode. He's trying to think if that's in the way, take it down. Whatever you got to do, we got want to make this happen. And the contractor said, no. He said, I don't think we need to take down the cross. He said, I think we can do what you want. We can still leave the cross up. Oh, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> Some people want to take down the cross. 
Some people want us to replace it with something flashy, something attractive to the world. You know why? Because the cross is bloody. The cross is messy. The cross screams sacrifice. The cross confronts us with our sins. The cross isn't cool. The cross isn't worldly. And that some people in the church want us to replace, replace the message of the cross with the message of, of self-improvement and positive reinforcement messages and words that make everybody feel good about themselves. Because to some, the cross is offensive. To some, the cross is unattractive. Talk of the cross might scare away the visitors. The cross encourages conviction of sin. It makes people uncomfortable. So they say, let's don't talk about the cross. Let's take down the cross. But I came here today just to remind the High Praises Church, you cannot afford to take down the cross. My God, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me right then. We can't afford to take down the cross. It's the cross that sets the sinner free. It's the cross that reminds me of what Jesus did for my suffering. Y'all, I'd be nothing, you would be nothing without the cross. I'd still be in my sins if it wasn't for the cross. Yes, the cross is the place of death and sacrifice. Yes, the cross is covered with the blood of Jesus. That's the point. His blood is the currency that purchased my salvation. His blood washed away all my sins and stain. It was his blood that changed who I am change who you are so the contractor's right we don't need to take down the cross I'll put that picture back up don't take it down thank you you can't see it but when I took that picture I pulled it up that cross is dirty it's outside it's Texas for Pete's sake it's dirty if you get up close you can see it's dirty it's dated even that style is dated some would say it's outdated And that's the point. The message of the cross is too dirty. The message of the cross is outdated. It's not a 21st century message. But I'm here to tell you today, it's still the cross. Leave the cross where it is. Hold it up for all to see. It's the hope for every sinner. It's the sign of redemption. It's where people find salvation. Y'all, you don't take down the cross. You come to the cross. You kneel at the cross. You pray at the cross. You confess your sins at the cross. You find Jesus at the cross. Your life is changed at the cross. Hold up the cross of Jesus Christ. Stand with me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.